What's up you guys and welcome back to another video. If you are new to the channel here, my name is Brandon. As always, we do have our investing academy as that first link down in the description below. If you are somebody that is new to investing or just looking to improve, I think that 2022 is a great time to do so. And in this video, I've compiled 10 of the lessons that I've learned over the years as an investor. For those that have been following the channel, you guys already know my background, but I've been an investor since I was about 10 years old, 10, 11, it started with mutual funds. I transitioned on into ETFs. Now my portfolio is built entirely of individual stocks. There may be an odd ETF in there, here and there, but in general, I like to think that I've had a bit of experience, a bit of time in the market. Of course, I've gone out and got all my licensing here in the Canadian market. I worked for my dad's firm for four years before starting this YouTube channel but I want to give you some of the things that I've learned some of them the hard way some of them taking bits and pieces from others but I really think they're gonna help you guys out if you guys enjoyed today's video if you're excited for what's to come do not hesitate to leave a quick thumbs up on the video but let's dive on here into lesson number one which is that investing should not be made more complicated than it has to be and it's also oh easy for a beginner to the stock market to think that they have to learn about all these intricacies and they have to go down these deep, deep rabbit holes, which is going to give them some sort of edge in the stock market. You know, they hear about something online, they read an article about some tax strategy or about some crazy charting pattern that they think is really going to help them out when in reality, by overcomplicating things in the stock market, which is very easy to do that can actually have a lot more harm on your portfolio than good. And it's really interesting learning the stock market. I kind of liken it to this like bell curve, right? I don't know if the bell curve is the best way to explain this, but you know, we kind of start off knowing nothing. We're overwhelmed. We don't know the terminology. There is a rather steep learning curve to kind of get up and running and get your fundamentals down. But then you do kind of reach this plateau in a sense, right? You kind of top out not in terms of what you can learn, but in terms of what you need to learn. The basics, the fundamentals, buying good companies, putting them into index funds or putting your money into index funds rather, putting money away every single paycheck. Once you kind of get past that tipping point, I think it kind of branches off where it can do you more good than harm, but in many cases, it will come back to bite you in the butt because the data does suggest that by just keeping things simple, by just doing the boring stuff time and time again, it's much more about being a consistent investor who can do the same thing over and over again for a number of decades that will actually do much better when you crunch the numbers than someone who's trying to get a little too fancy with it. They're getting too, um, they're trying to finesse things too much. And one of the quotes that always stuck out with me from the moment I heard it was one from Warren Buffett. It's that investing is simple, but not easy. And investing in and of itself is not rocket science. Again, to get to that kind of plateau, to get to where you need to go, the logistics of actually going out and buying good stocks or buying good index funds and just putting money away every month, I can guarantee you it is actually quite a simple thing to do but that doesn't make it easy when you think about the discipline that it takes to stick towards that plan, when you have exciting ideas that are kind of drawing you in or you wanna try all this fancy stuff. It is not an easy thing to be a good investor, but it is actually quite simple. And I kind of think to it kind of like when you're trying to lose weight, right? Summertime's coming up or you're trying to drop a few pounds, the logistics of losing weight are very, very simple. There's a couple of variables. You eat less, lower your calories and maybe increase your exercise or be more active. It's simple, but it's easier said than done. It's harder to actually implement. It's harder to actually do that on a consistent basis. But in my opinion, my lesson number one for you guys is probably one of the best ones out there. Just keep it simple. 
because overcomplicating things can really come back to harm you. Now, lesson number two is another common misconception. It's what I thought when I first started out, but investing in and of itself is not a mathematical game. It is far more a mental game. And it's so funny when people know that I'm in the stock market, friends or people I'm kind of hanging out with, they go, ah, you must be really good at math. You must be really good at crunching numbers. No need to use a calculator. You can just do everything in your head because stock market math, stock market numbers, in a sense, yes, but being good at math or being good with the numbers does not correlate in any way about what it actually takes to be an investor on a day-to-day -day basis. Being an investor challenges you on the mental side day in and day out. Far more important than being able to crunch your spreadsheets or read through a bunch of numbers is being able to manage the emotional side of investing, knowing why you're feeling such a way, being able to make logical decisions rather than making decisions with your gut and with your heart. I really do mean it that if you took the smartest person in the room, let's take someone who is a mathematics expert, they got their PhD in math, they are a quantitative expert, even if they crunch their numbers, they got down to a perfect buy price with a the stock, they're super, super confident in their numbers. If they don't know how to manage their portfolio, they don't know how to handle the ups and downs, the emotional swings that come with investing, I don't care how good you are with your spreadsheets, you will not do well as an investor. I kind of think of it more of the term EQ versus IQ, right? Being able to handle and stay on top of your emotions, I think that's actually critical. And one of the things that I think is a great tip for you guys, there's a common wisdom out there that we want to detach ourselves from our emotions, right? Don't feel your emotions, kind of sweep them under the rug when it comes to the stock market. As much as that is fair, I actually like to say, rather than detaching yourself, acknowledge the emotions that we're feeling. We are all gonna feel emotions. We're all human watching this video. No matter whether, you've been, whether you've been investing for 20 years, whether you've been investing for one year, we still feel fear, we still feel greed, we have FOMO, like everybody has those feelings. But I think a successful investor is one that is able to recognize those feelings and make the right move off of that, right? Don't base your decisions off of those emotions. Well, you kind of do base those decisions off the emotions, but you kind of take a second to logically make that right step, if that does make sense. My tip for you guys in this video is just don't disregard your emotions. Don't just ignore them, rather respect them, understand why you're feeling such a way, and make a logical decision from that. Number three is knowing when to take calculated risks. And this one is so huge in the world of the stock market because when it boils down to it, every decision that you make to buy a stock, to sell a stock, I'd even go as far as saying when you don't make a decision, so the inability to make a decision, if you're just sitting there like, ah, sitting on your cash, whatever the case is, that indecision is a decision in and of itself and everything carries risk. There's the possibility that things go up. There's the possibility that things go down. There's the possibility that you're missing out on a big opportunity if you're an investor that does decide to just sit on your hands and do absolutely nothing. Now in the world of the stock market, you need to learn when to take risks that are weighted in your favor. And due to the nature of the stock market, because there's so many inputs and there's so many variables, and some people are investing over the short term, some people have long-term goals, some people are being irrational, trading off fear, greed, whatever the case is, the odds do get swayed from time to time where they may either be more in your favor or less in your favor. It's a different story if 
for example, you flip a coin, right? If you flipped a coin, every single time you flip that coin, there's a 50% chance it goes heads, there's a 50% chance it goes tails. Well, when you're able to do your research, when you're able to understand the stock market on a deeper level, there are absolutely cases where rather than it being a 50-50 play, maybe you're in a position where there's 75% chance of upside, you're still gonna have the downside, but it's significantly less. And I hate to beat you know, a dead cat or whatever the saying is here, but I look to a stock like Alibaba right now. This is a stock that I've absolutely been loving. Yes, the risk is there. We're not saying that the risk is not there on the downside, it absolutely is. But given the current share price, in my opinion, given the numbers that these company that this company is pumping out, that risk ratio is actually more in our favor. And it's times like these where we can go out and buy into certain investments, maybe sell certain investments when those odds do shift. So just understand that every decision you make has risk, but as an investor, we want to take calculated risks in the stock market. Now, lesson number four, I think is a perfect one to build off of that because time will tell whether this is the case or not. But lesson number four is understanding that you are going to make mistakes. Everyone is gonna make mistakes, accept that fact and learn from them. And I have made so many mistakes over the years as an investor. I've gone out and bought into hype. I've bought IPOs that I probably should not have bought. I've sold winning stocks too early. I've flat out missed out on opportunities. I've done stupid stuff with my RSP. Like you guys know if you've been watching the channel for a while, when I was much younger, I withdrew money from my RSP my registered retirement savings plan because I wanted to go on a vacation. I took out a thousand bucks, lost that contribution space forever just from being a numbnuts, from just being dumb about it. Now, that is completely okay. Mistakes are okay. We all make them. I'm the type of person that kind of has to make the mistakes personally to learn from them. You know, you can hear about it all online. You can have people tell you, don't do this, don't do that. But where I really feel things resonate with me is actually making the mistakes myself. And I don't fear those mistakes. I accept them. They're inevitable. And I will tell you one thing from this day forward, I will continue to make mistakes. It's all part of the learning curve. Now, the lesson from this video that I want to share with you guys is that investing is just like any other area of life. If you're trying to learn a new skill or a new hobby or a new sport, you are going to fail and you are going to fail time and time and time again. It does feel a little more impactful when you are having real money on the line. And I think that's something that does cause people a lot of stress is that, geez, if I make my mistakes in the stock market world, these are my hard earned dollars going away. But just understand that it's part of the learning process. And what I would say to you guys is actually try to make mistakes. Don't try to make mistakes. All right? I'm not saying go make mistakes, but in a sense I am. But I'm saying go make them early. Go make them when the consequences are not as meaningful and not as impactful. I take the mistake that I made with my RSP withdrawing from that when I could have drawn from somewhere else or I could have just saved up money like a normal person. That mistake cost me $1,000 of contribution room. I did it when I was 20 or so. Is that gonna kill me for the long term? Absolutely not. However, I am never going to make a, a silly mistake like that again. If you're age 75 and you're going out and buying some very, very aggressive stocks and you're doing something that's really not suitable for yourself, well, that's a mistake that could have very significant impacts. So as an investor, just understand, make the mistakes, make them early. A fun way that I like to look at it too is like, let's assume you're starting investing with like $10,000, right? $10,000, $20,000, maybe allocate 
$500 of that. Take a small portion, just say, hey, this is my money that I'm gonna call my, my learning money, my mistakes money. And you can go out and experiment, go buy your penny stocks, go do whatever you want with that. Maybe it works out for you, maybe you make money. But if you do lose that money, likely when you do lose that money, it wasn't just money lost, it was experience gained, it was learning acquired. So it's actually, in my opinion, money well spent, but just understand that mistakes like anything else are just part of the process. Lesson number five is picking a strategy early on and sticking with it and not being a flip-flopper, okay? Nobody likes a flip-flopper and there are far too many flip-floppers in the world. People that are just constantly jumping from one thing to another here in the YouTube community, hate to say it, but a lot of people that I watch and my peers they're flip-floppers. They do whatever is hot, they do whatever is trending. One minute they're a weed stock investor, then the algorithm wants to push cryptocurrency, then they're crypto investors. Next thing you know, they're into small caps. And then all of a sudden here in 2022, they're a dividend stock investor. It's like, what are you doing? The people that I respect on a YouTube level as well as on a personal level are people that can very early on say, this is my plan. This will align me with my goals. Whether that is a small cap strategy, whether it's a growth strategy, whether it's a dividend strategy, and sticking with that, being true to yourself. Because every time you flip between strategies and you say, oh, well, I'm just gonna scrap that and try this, in a sense, you're bringing yourself back to square one. Like you're starting back from zero. And one of the biggest things about being a successful investor is just being consistent. It doesn't mean that as a new investor, you have to pick one and never ever change from that or never adapt. Again, you have to learn and you have to experiment upfront, but the earlier you can kind of dial into, this is the strategy that's gonna work for me, the more disciplined, the more committed you are to sticking to that, that's gonna have the best return over the years. So just don't be a flip flopper. Pick a strategy and stick with it. Now, lesson number six is especially applicable to our Canadian viewers of the video. It's don't be afraid to expand your borders. And the simple fact of the matter is that too many people are overly concentrated and overly focused here on the Canadian market. There's a term that you'll come across called home bias. We as humans just feel more comfortable. We just in general want to invest in the place that we're from. We wanna support our country. We just tend to kind of migrate that way. And while that is very fair and okay, when it comes to the dollars and cents of it, this makes no sense. Being an investor who's fully invested or even majorly, majorly, invested in the Canadian market. If you looked at how I build my portfolio or how we have our models in our academy, no matter what the model is for different types of investors, in nearly every one of those models, the US market makes up the biggest weighting. It's the heaviest percentage of our portfolio. And reason being is that when you think to all of the most successful companies out there, the ones that we consume on a daily basis, our iPhones, our Microsofts, when we Google things online, majority of the times they are down south. This is a market that is 10 times larger in terms of population than us here in Canada. There's more prosperity, there's more opportunity. In fact, if you actually break it down, the US market is a much more diversified market than the Canadian market. The Canadian market's great if you're trying to get exposure to a few major sectors, example, energy sector, we all know how big that is here, financials, etc. We are very concentrated in a few major areas. The US market is just more diverse. So with that said, why would we limit ourselves to a small market just because we live here? An example that I actually give to Canadian investors, if you are overly invested in Canada, is if I asked you, take a look at your portfolio right now, how much exposure do you have to the Australian market, the Aussie market? Because there are Australian banks over there, there's a bunch of companies over there. How much exposure do you have to that market? 
you're probably gonna say zero. And if you do have a maybe an Australian stock, well, you'd be an outlier. But why would we go out and invest in such a small, unique market over there? That concept directly applies to us here. We could almost flip that around. And Australian investors, I very much think, they probably won't have much Canadian exposure. They'll have too much Aussie exposure, too much of uh, Australian exposure. Again, it's that home bias kicking in. As my dad preaches on the channel all the time, the Canadian market makes up something like two or 3% of the global equity market. Respect that and understand that we have to sometimes go beyond that. Again, I would say the US would be likely the best place to look, but that doesn't mean you should cross out areas like international companies, maybe in Asia, maybe South America, Europe. There are so many opportunities out there. Understand that that does come with a little bit of risk, but when you look from the top down at your portfolio, you should not have the heaviest weighting in Canada, at least for a majority of people out there. Again, you know your situation better than anybody else, but uh, yeah, lesson number five, six, whatever that was, don't be afraid to expand your borders. Hey everybody, it's Brandon here. I'd like to interrupt today's episode very briefly to remind you that if you're looking for more training in the Canadian stock market, don't hesitate to check out our Investing Academy. You can join our private membership group and get access to our top stock picks, trade calls, portfolio insights, and a variety of tools that are helping our members all across the country better their own investing journeys. All it takes is one great stock idea or tip, and that alone can cover years and years of your subscription to our membership group. If you're looking for some additional video training to broaden your knowledge and expand your understanding of the stock market in Canada, we do of course offer a fully video online training program where you can learn from the comfort of your home amongst a variety of students across the country. Both of these products can be found at www.theinvestingacademy.ca where you can sign up for them online or schedule a call with us to learn more. Now back to our scheduled episode. Now, number seven is something that I am learning as I get older and older and older, and it's a lesson that everybody out there will face at some point in life. Understand that taxes are not a bad thing. And I used to hate taxes. I still hate taxes, okay? Everybody hates paying tax. Like, tax just sucks. It's a part of life in the stock market, when it comes to our income, when it comes to our properties. Taxes are just part of life. You know I have to throw this in here, but there's three things in life that basically are coming whether you like it or not. Death, taxes. Malcolm Miller drives, kicks. JV, the three. Say it with me, Jack. Death, taxes, and JV's threes. You guys already know how it is. But just understand, guys, that not only are taxes part of our normal life, we are only paying taxes if we are making money. If we're paying taxes, in essence, that is a good thing. We don't pay taxes when we are not making money. We don't pay taxes when we are losing money. We pay taxes when we are making money. So many investors are so fearful of paying tax that that actually impacts the things that they should be doing as an investor. It's so common that I hear in the comment section or I speak to one of you guys, somebody may be coming into our academy and they're like, geez, well, I was told I shouldn't be doing RSPs because I don't wanna pay a bunch of tax down the road, right? I'm gonna get killed in taxes down the road, so our RSPs are terrible. Well, that in and of itself just comes from a lack of 
knowledge about how the RRSP works. And yes, you're absolutely right. Down the road, when you do withdraw from your RSP, when it converts to a RIF, you are going to take that in and it is going to be taxed as income in that year. Absolutely. But maybe without a full understanding of knowledge, maybe you're unaware that you're getting the tax breaks today. You're deducting money against your income today. You have this tax sheltered plan to grow for years and years and years. And ideally when you're in retirement, you're going to be in such a lower tax bracket that it actually makes sense to do so. Now there are certain in cases for a small percentage of individuals where that may not apply but for the masses out there just to be so fearful of taxes to say well i'm not going to use my rsp because i heard taxes are bad that makes absolutely no sense another one is for example once you've maxed out your tfsa and your rsp let's say you've hit your contribution limits you're done with your registered space or those two main accounts oh man well i don't want to put money into a non-registered account i don't want to invest in a taxable account because taxes Taxable accounts are just normal investing accounts. Like anywhere in life, we pay taxes. We pay taxes on our income. We pay taxes on our high interest savings account. We pay taxes when we sell our homes. When we make money in the stock market, we are making money and we're just taking a portion of that and giving it back. Last but not least, the most common one here in the YouTube community, the most common misconception that is out there, which is just actually very dangerous for people. Oh, I'm not gonna buy this amazing stock in my TFSA because of a 15% withholding tax. So I'm gonna pass up on this opportunity, even though it's gonna yield me some amazing yields, even beyond that 15% withholding tax. So I'm just gonna not buy US stocks. I'm just gonna stick to Canadian stocks. We already talked about in the last lesson how important it is to expand your borders. Always be thinking in terms of total return, right? If you have an investment that you're getting 15% dinged on your dividends, let's just say, because that's how the withholding tax works, on foreign investments, but you're still netting a bigger amount than a Canadian stock over here that's gonna pay you a smaller dividend. Well, all else being equal, this is likely the better investment for you. You always have to look at the holistic picture. And yes, taxes are a part of things, but they're not the be all end all. They should come in secondarily. So just understand that as you get older and especially once you start maxing out your accounts, taxes are part of investing, they're part of life, but they shouldn't be something to be fearful of you need to be aware of them, but it shouldn't stop you from investing in any way. Now, lesson number eight is one of my favorites on the list today. It's don't compare yourself to others. And I used to do this a lot, especially when I was just kind of getting started in the investment world when I was much younger. I don't do it as much now, but still it's quite natural to kind of see what's happening around you and kind of evaluate what your peers are doing, what your neighbors are doing, what your coworkers are doing, or what you see here on YouTube. It's very, very common to say, oh, that guy made this much percent or she's you know, doing very well in this stock. And what that can do is bring you unnecessary stress. It can make you a lot less happy with what you're doing. And what I think is actually most dangerous is that when you see other people doing things that are doing better than you, you may actually go beyond your parameters as an investor to kind of take part in that, right? You may go like, you know, outside of your boundaries, you may overstep because you're just comparing yourself to everybody around you. And especially here on YouTube or Twitter or wherever you look at on the internet, everyone wants to flaunt their success stories, right? Hey, I made so much in this stock. I'm up 300% here. Most of the time, they're gonna kind of shelter the bad stocks from you. They're not gonna talk about the stocks that go down. So they're just kind of going with this flashy, flashy stuff. Nevertheless, you don't know their situation. Like the only person's situation that you truly do know is your own. You know your own cash flow situation, you know your own net worth situation, you know what you have to invest and what your you know limits are and what your, yeah, you kind of understand your own situation. And for example, in the YouTube space, I think to a lot of YouTubers, like the successful ones, you know the ones that are down south that are doing really, really well, 
understand that for a lot of these big time influencers, they are often in a very, very strong financial position. And I'm talking here, the income that they make from their YouTube channels, from their business, in many cases exceeds 1 million, 2 million, $3 million plus. They have a ton of money coming in through the door and their situation may allow them to be a little more riskier than what the masses or what you know the general public will find themselves in a situation to do. So if one of these YouTubers goes out and buys a very risky stock and that stock plummets and it drops 50% or 70%, first and foremost, that's probably not gonna kill them because it's a smaller portion of their, of their assets. More importantly, they may have cash reserves to go in and buy more of that stock and actually go in and, and you know, average down on these positions. They have more flexibility. They may have more time than you to kind of go into these riskier positions. And where a lot of people may find themselves in trouble is that if you are comparing yourself and you're kind of tailing your, tailing your investment practice off what these others are doing, you may not have those luxuries in terms of cash on the side, in terms of time. If you're investing like 10 years off from retirement and your stock drops 50%, that's a very, very different situation is what I'm trying to get at. I think a much better way of comparing yourself to others, as hard as that is to do, what you can do is compare yourself against yourself. Look at yourself and say, what am I currently doing in the stock market? Am I beating a benchmark that I set for myself? Like if you wanna compare yourself against the S&P, the TSX, whatever you decide, that index is doing its thing in and of itself. Ask yourself year after year, am I beating this? Am I underperforming? Am I doing this? Am I saving more money? Am I doing better on the actual saving side of thing than I did last year? Am I learning from my mistakes? Did I make more mistakes, less mistakes than last year? Compare yourself against yourself because only you know your financial position. And in many cases, you actually don't see what's happening kind of under the hood uh, with these other people. Again, you may just be seeing a little glimpse, just the tip of the iceberg of what's actually happening. This is really one of my favorite tips for today's video. It's don't compare yourself to others. I can guarantee you it's actually gonna make you a lot happier as a person. Now on to lesson number nine, understand that when you start working with bigger dollar values, it can and very likely will be very scary, especially upfront, especially if you're doing this for the first time. And this may not apply so much to our younger audience. So if you are just a younger person, maybe getting started with Wall Simple Trade, you pop in 500 bucks, couple thousand bucks, 5,000 bucks, you're probably not gonna lose your shirt over that. But where I see this quite commonly is for let's say our older audience who maybe has money with their mutual funds, they have money with an advisor, with the bank, they've had that professionally managed for years and years and years, maybe they come into an inheritance. So all of a sudden you're just, you know, big pot of money falls into your hands, 500 grand, a million bucks. It can be very scary when you do make that decision to transfer it into your own hands. And conceptually, it's funny why that's the case. I mean, it's not funny, it's completely understandable. It means that you care about your money, it means that you are maybe worried about your future, maybe your skills and capabilities to do this. But conceptually, whether you are investing with $10,000 or whether you're investing with a million dollars, the principles, the concepts, the ratios, the returns, it's all proportion to scale. Now, of course, when you see a 10 or 15% drop on a million dollar portfolio, and all of a sudden you're down tens of thousands of dollars, yeah, that is more scary when you're looking at the dollar figures, but the exact same goes on the upside. When you do make 20%, when you make 30% in a year, you're making bigger dollar values. It really comes down to loss aversion, I think at the end of the day, which is basically the phenomenon where we really start to feel that. But where I think the lesson comes from is rather than attaching yourself to the dollar value and looking at your account saying, geez, I just lost $12,000 this week. The markets are down heavy. I almost like to think of things kind of as units. 
I don't know if this is the best way to look at it, but if anybody's into, you know, so let's say sports wagering or places of sports get bets, I'm gonna go home and watch the uh, NFL wildcard today, like right after filming this video. Not that I'm gonna be betting on it, but I'm just gonna be watching it. Nevertheless, when you are a sports better, you have your bankroll and you bet in terms of units, one unit, 1.5 units, two units, right? You kind of detach yourself from the actual dollar and it does put you at a lot of ease when you do see these swings. Again, just understand that if you're gonna go down one unit or 1% or 10%, the exact same will happen on the upside. Again, it does feel, it can feel a lot scarier and I do understand that. What I would say for people too, and this is actually the main takeaway for this tip, if you are in a position with a lot of money, don't feel obliged to invest all of it at once and go you know, straight into the deep end and get way over your head. What's to say you can't just say, hey, I got a million dollars here or 500 grand cash. Why not just dabble your feet? Why not just open up a TFSA on Quest Trade or Wellsimple and manage a smaller pool of money at first? When you start to build your confidence, when you start to realize how it's not rocket science and how you can do this, then you can feel more comfortable moving that money over rather than just saying, I'm gonna go all in, go reckless, and then find yourself in a very overwhelming situation. Bigger dollar values are a blessing and a curse. I think that they're very exciting to work with because there's so much more opportunity. The compounding, the snowball just works so much bigger, but absolutely it can be very scary. And I think that you should essentially kind of ease your way into it. Do what you're comfortable with because with knowledge, with time, you will get up to a, a scenario where you do feel comfortable doing it yourself. If you don't, then hey, there's nothing wrong with using the mutual funds. There's nothing wrong with paying the professional if that's gonna put you at ease. And that actually perfectly transitions into our final lesson for today, lesson number 10. If you guys haven't already dropped a thumbs up on the video, if you've been enjoying, I really would appreciate that. That does help out so much. But lesson number 10 is make sure that you are having fun with investing. And I don't care how much money you are making or how much money you're leaving on the table by not doing this. If you are investing with a certain type of strategy or a certain type of tactic or a certain style that is bringing you stress on a daily or weekly or monthly basis, and you're kind of looking at yourself being like, I'm not enjoying this. I'm not enjoying looking at the charts or I'm not enjoying reading these quarterly earnings or research reports, I don't think that there's a dollar figure out there high enough that would make me accept the fact that I'm gonna be living a more miserable life or I'm gonna be sacrificing these areas of my life, I'm gonna be losing sleep, I'm gonna be unhappy just so I can inch out this extra return or I can cut down on these fees or whatever the case is. I think that investing is something that should be complementing everybody's lifestyle. The goal is that as an investor, you get started and you plan to do this for multiple decades, right? This is not a short-term gig. You don't wanna do it for a few months and try it. You wanna be investing for years and years and years to get the power of compounding working for you. And you will only get that if you are truly enjoying what you're doing. And for different people, that may mean taking a very passive hands-off strategy. If you're the type that doesn't like this type of thing, you should still invest, but you should find a strategy that's very hands-off. Maybe a diversified ETF portfolio something that you kind of automatically put money into every month, you kind of set it and forget it and you're good to go. That very much complements that type of person. If you are somebody that enjoys looking at the numbers, if you enjoy reading the research reports, if you wanna be a more active investor in terms of your management, well then pick a strategy that suits better with you. There's a reason that there are so many different investment strategies out there to choose from. And it's not to say that, yeah, there's only one right way to do it, right? This is the be all end all the one way, everything else sucks and everything else is a terrible strategy. 
Absolutely not. There's so many popular strategies out there to choose from. If you want to be a swing trader and that makes sense for you, that's going to complement your lifestyle, be a swing trader. If you want to do dividends and just reinvest your dividends, if you want to do value investing, more of a passive indexing approach, individual stocks, there's so many different things out there. And I think what's important is that you need to kind of weigh those extra percentage points, right? You could crunch the math again and say, this strategy might make me this, but if that's going to be taking away from other areas of my life, is that percentage point worth it? I think the answer is no, because if that ultimately leads to you then going, oh, well, I'm not enjoying this and I'm going to stop investing, you know, six months down the road, two years down the road, then it defeats the purpose. I'd rather you say, hey, I'll take a lesser return or I'll take a more average return. And this is something I can do for the next number of decades and just be happy with it. Then someone's saying, well, I'm just going to be very stressed and kind of, you guys get what I'm saying here, right? You guys, I think you guys get what I'm saying here. But um, yeah, that is my 10 lessons for you guys. I have so many more. I had so many more that I just didn't include in this. And in my notes, I could do more videos on this, but I did just kind of have to narrow it down for 10 for this video. I don't want this video going too long in and of itself. If you guys did enjoy, and if you learned something new, again, I would really appreciate a thumbs up. I'd actually love to hear from you guys. What are some of the biggest lessons that you guys have learned in the stock market? I asked our academy students, we got all types of feedback, but some of the big ones were things like dollar cost averaging, not buying into FOMO. Again, these are ones that I was going to talk about, but again, there's so many more that we could talk about, but these are just the 10 lessons that I've landed on today. If you guys are not already subscribed to the channel, take a moment and subscribe. If you enjoyed this video, we post videos like this every single week, multiple videos a week, all tailored towards Canadians in the stock market. If you are somebody that wants to join our academy, if you want to learn more, if you want online courses and training, a community where you can ask questions, come on camera, do live streams with us, that is that first link down below. You can learn all about that. We offer training for literal beginners, people who have never done it before. We offer even more advanced training. My dad's even got a program coming out that is specifically targeted towards retirement people, people that are just on the verge of retirement and basically getting a full on personalized plan where you guys work back and forth and basically get yourself right for those golden years. We have all of that and you can learn all about that down in the description below. But as always, I thank you guys for watching. I hope you enjoyed and I will see you in the next video.